Hail and welcome to A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. I am your anchorman, fresh out of a glass case of emotion, coming off of my time at Anahata's Purpose, the wellness festival retreat in Spring City, PA. And between that and the break I took from the podcast last week, I am feeling rested and regenerated. Well, I'm feeling that today, actually, because my first few days back were spent eating too much food and sleeping like I've never slept before. But here we are back on track. And before I dive into this week's episode topic, the autumn equinox, the second harvest and Maybon, I want to just talk briefly about my experience at The Purpose because it was absolutely beautiful. Um, Anahata's Purpose, as you know, is a wellness festival retreat that takes place in the beautiful Anaba uh, retreat and camp in Spring City, PA. It is a wellness festival by day where there are workshops and activities and beautiful campground to take in nature and delicious food. And it is a kick-ass musical festival by night. And I taught a couple workshops and I had a few wonderful experiences and it was a great time. I uh, got there on Tuesday to help set up, um, was immediately to put to work. If some of you were there, you would have seen the absolutely stunning Anahata's Purpose sign behind the main stage. And I was involved in helping to get that sign to its location, which was no simple task, but it was accomplished. Uh, and it was it's nice to see it up and looking great when you've had a hand in helping that happen. Uh, Absolutely beautiful sign. And uh, we got to work right away, uh, helping out and connecting with friends that also had arrived early. I stayed in a lodge this year, unlike the previous year where I camped. And uh, I decided to stay in a lodge this year just to simplify the process, especially because I was teaching some workshops and had a lot of materials with me to tote around for these workshops. It just seemed like it would be a whole lot easier if I didn't also have to build and unbuild my home. Uh, But I would have to say that I I hold both of those experiences, either tent camping or lodging, kind of in equal esteem. They're both awesome options. So uh, one is not better than the other. There are times when one is easier than the other. There are times when one offers more solitude than the other. So honestly, they're both great. Uh, It's kind of a toss up about which one is better. It was just uh, amazing all around. Something really amazing that happened, not the first night of Anahata's Purpose itself, but it was the night before. So I believe this would have been Wednesday night before the big kickoff. A few of us decided to go out and venture to uh, what is called the Woodland Pavilion because we weren't sure where it was and we needed to get there the next day. So we decided let's go on an adventure and go find it in the dark, in the woods, (laughs) And what started off as just a couple of us venturing out turned into a rather large group of people, um, you know, just walking together through the woods to find this pavilion. And we found it pretty simply. And we decided, hey, we're here. Let's have a little circle. So we all got together in a circle. And one of our group, who is amazing, decided to lead us in learning a new song. And Little by little, we learned verse after verse until our entire circle of people, which felt like it might have been maybe 30 people, were singing this beautiful song in perfect harmony, it seemed like. It was incredible. And mind you, we were completely surrounded by darkness in this forest, in this campground in the forest. And we got done singing the song and we decided, okay, let's sit down. I lit some incense. Some people obviously had crystals in their pockets and various tokens. And we put them all in the center with the lit incense and some lanterns. And we decided to have a circle where we went around and we introduced ourselves. And we basically said what it is about this retreat that we're here for and what inspires us. And it was beautiful. We went around kind of getting to know each other. And it was just a wonderful experience. And then before we closed the circle and left, we sang one more round of the song. And I couldn't help but feeling like that entire experience was just a beautiful offering to the land where we were. You know, sometimes you can sense that you're not alone in a place. And I absolutely felt like many eyes were on us and many ears were listening to us. And and not in a bad way just in a very curious and accepting and amused way. 
sort of. So I really feel like we set a beautiful tone there. Um, you know, you don't want to tread through a land that is not yours and act disrespectful or forget to show any sort of gratitude or respect. And it really felt like that was a gift and it was beautiful. And that was the beginning of the whole Anahata's experience. Uh, it was it was totally awesome. You know, then the, you know, the retreat started and I went on to take a bunch of amazing workshops. I took a grounding class that was taught by one of my fellow coven mates, Diane, which was so, so good. I took reparenting the inner child, which was brutal, but necessary and had me walking away feeling lighter. I took Chiron, the wounded healer, which is taught by my very, very dear friend, Teresa, who is an amazing teacher. Um, I took Instagram for holistic entrepreneurs because although I do digital marketing for, you know, as my job, as my day job. Uh, it's very different when you're doing marketing for corporate versus marketing for yourself and your little small thing that you've got going on. And I learned a lot there. Uh, I took From Fear to Power, Snake Magic, taught by Casey from Casey's Corner. That was an incredible experience and she was made to do this. I'm so happy that she she did it. Uh, and I took Tarot Reversals that was taught by a new friend that I made named Luke Bonecutter, uh, an amazing class. I don't even read reversals, but I like to know about the reversals so that I, when I'm reading tarot, I can look at the message and also the possible warning that's coming with the card, looking at it kind of like the message, but also the shadow aspect. So that was a, an excellent class. Uh, I took a couple others that I can't remember, but they were all great. There was delicious food there. Um, standing out the most to me is um, the last dinner, which was a barbecue. Oh my God, the barbecue was amazing. Um Rachel, who runs Anahata's, uh, her partner is a chef and has his own restaurant and he comes in and does the food, which is a huge treat. The food is delicious and the staff is incredible. I don't even know how they do it, but the barbecue, I'm still thinking about it. I'm going to be thinking about it for a really long time. <laughs> um, music. I followed some new artists on Spotify as soon as I got home because they were amazing. Uh, fell in love with a group called Great Time and then had a spell cast on me by Eden Spore. It was absolutely incredible. It was absolutely joyful watching the West Philly Orchestra play and, ha and watching people join in to learn folk dances. There were so many wonderful experiences at, at this place. And I know a lot of people coming home feel the same way. I know almost everybody coming home feels the same way. Uh, and I taught a couple workshops myself. I taught protection magic with Tabitha Gemini from Two Geminis and a Leo. Uh, we were both kind of shitting our pants a little bit because that was our very first workshop for both of us and we were doing it together. And, you know, I guess that self-doubt, that not good enoughness and that imposter syndrome really creeps up on you and makes you feel like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? <laughs> But it really turned out great. She's amazing to work with. She knows so much. And I think that we really complimented each other. That was an amazing experience. And then I taught my own workshop on not magic and how to make a witch's ladder. I had a lot of really great feedback from people who attended that. They were happy to have something to do with their hands and something to work on and to be able to try the thing that they're learning about to do it instead of just learn about it and then do it at home. Um, I was very excited about that. And probably one of the most magical experiences for me came about, um, actually, I'm not even sure if it came about from my workshop. It could have been a complete coincidence. But during my workshop, I was discussing how you could incorporate knot magic into so many different things. And I used the fact that I cross-stitch as an example. And I used an example of one of my cross-stitchings that I did... A shortly after Tom Petty passed away, uh, I cross-stitched You Belong Among the Wildflowers with a really pretty flower border on it. And I explained to everyone the meaning behind that song and what it meant to me and how I was focused on that at the time when I made that cross-stitch and how that became a very magical, uh, intention-filled practice in and of itself. And later on that night, during the music... I went into Paint Ground, which is another really cool thing that was there. It's this it was this tent that uh, was filled with walls and panels and big flowers that you could go in and you can paint just whatever you're inspired by, paint it. And Paint Ground is actually a business near me in South Jersey. A fantastic idea. 
And I went into the tent and I looked around at what everybody had been painting. And on the far wall were the words, you belong among the wildflowers. And that just sent me, that touched my heart and sent me shooting off into the stars. I don't know if I inspired that or not, but the connection was amazing and I'm happy regardless. Um, you know, besides that, there was just a whole lot of sitting around and laughing and reconnecting with people that I only get to see once a year. And that was just a wonderful, beautiful experience. And I'm forever grateful to Rachel and her entire team of people that work really hard to pull off this wonderful, wonderful event every year. And it was, it was awesome. It was badass. <laughs> so that's my recap. That is my Anahata's Purpose recap. I hope I didn't for I'm sure I forgot a lot of things actually. So Let's move on, because today I want to talk about the upcoming Wheel of the Year celebration. I refer to it as the Autumn Equinox. Many people refer to it as Maybon uh, or the Second Harvest. And I'm going to talk about what makes those things different. Why are they different? Where the names come from? Well, where at least one of the names come from that I know of and some practices. And before I let you go, I'm going to share some recipes, uh, a spell, a tarot spread and some correspondences and we're going to have a good time. So I have a quote by William Blake. It is in seed time, learn in harvest time, teach in winter, enjoy. So that is a quote that I found in Gail Busey's enchanted kitchen, connect to spirit with recipes and rituals through the year in the September section from which I will also be sharing a tea recipe later on. But I thought it seemed really appropriate, not just as a segue from Anahata's talk to Autumn Equinox talk, but also captures the spirit of the shift that is happening right now. Because depending upon where you live, you may have noticed some humidity lifting, a slightly more golden glow coming in with the sunrise each day, some late vegetation ripening, leaves beginning to turn from green to shades of yellow, burnt orange, and even fiery red, or even falling to the ground already and getting caught up in the wind, making that all too familiar rustling sound along the ground. And temperatures are beginning to drop ever so slightly. It's the coming of autumn, the equinox taking place next week, in fact, on September 23rd, when the sun enters Libra. And technically that will be taking place after the next episode, but I wanted to put this out a little early because I really, really love this particular celebration and I thought maybe some of the information I shared could be inspirational and you might need more than a day to manifest your inspirations. <laughs> so here we are talking about it today. Uh, and Libra represented by the scales and having much to do with seeking balance is no less than the most perfect zodiac sign to usher us into autumn on the day when both night and day are equal again, perfectly balanced on the wheel of the year. And this, of course, is where the word equinox gets its name. So let's take a close look at the autumn equinox, the autumnal equinox, opposite the spring equinox taking place in the southern hemisphere, the second harvest, and the wheel of the year celebration known as Maybon. So in many pagan witchcraft and folk traditions, the autumn equinox is often referred to as the second harvest. This name reflects the agricultural and seasonal significance of this time of year. The concept of the second harvest is closely tied to the idea of giving thanks to the bounty of the land and preparing for the coming winter months. This is celebrated as a sacred time that celebrates both life and death, light and dark, reflecting the time of year when day and night are once again equal, but also emphasizing the truth of our existence, that we live but must die. And that is reflected in the cycle of the earth as we see it before us. Many of our food sources have ripened for harvest at this time, and in the coming months, this growth and vegetation will die off as the earth grows dormant, only to go through a rebirth again in the spring. It is this cycle that has inspired countless mythologies, folk tales, and even religious practices. What a wonderful thing to be so connected to and inspired by the cycles of our beautiful earth and its seasonal changes. And some ways that we nature-loving spiritual folk, witches or otherwise, reflect during this time is with harvest celebration. The autumn equinox is seen as a time to celebrate the fruits of the year's labor in the fields. 
It's a time when the second major harvest of the year takes place with crops such as grains, fruits, vegetables, and nuts being gathered from the land. This bountiful harvest is symbolic of the abundance of nature. Thanksgiving, not the murdery one, but this one. <laughs> Just as Thanksgiving in some cultures is a time for expressing gratitude for the harvest and the blessings of the year now, the second harvest, or autumn equinox, is a time for pagans and witches to give thanks to the earth and the deities or forces they honor in their spiritual practice. It's a time to acknowledge the earth's generosity and the interconnectedness of all living things. And this is my Thanksgiving as well, and I can't wait to enjoy a big seasonal feast at home. Maybon, which I will be explaining or getting into soon, is sometimes informally referred to as the Witch's Thanksgiving because it's a modern pagan festival that shares some similarities with the traditional Thanksgiving holiday celebrated in North America. And while the two celebrations have very different cultural and historical origins, they both, today at least, center around themes of gratitude, abundance, and giving thanks for the harvest. Balance and Equilibrium the autumn equinox is characterized by nearly equal lengths of day and night. And this balance between light and darkness is symbolic of the need for harmony and equilibrium in our lives. It's a time for introspection and finding balance in one's own life and spiritual journey. It's a recurring lesson in life. And if you listen to my Fortune and Flora series, you'll see it's a recurring lesson in the tarot also, which is in and of itself about life and all that comes with this experience that we all share. Preparation for winter. As the days grow shorter and colder after the equinox, this is a time to prepare for the challenges of winter. In the past, it was a big reminder to store food, gather firewood, and make practical preparations for the colder months ahead. Now, symbolically, it's also a time to reflect on one's own inner reserves and prepare for the challenges of the darker, introspective season. And finally, rituals and traditions. Many magical practitioners hold rituals and ceremonies during the autumn equinox to mark the second harvest. These rituals often include offerings of fruits and vegetables, the lighting of candles or lanterns, and the giving of thanks. Some may also incorporate divination or meditation to gain insight into the coming season. And your rituals can be as simple as sitting outside, grounding yourself, and quietly practicing gratitude. It doesn't have to be a grand and formal occasion, and it doesn't have to go by a set of rules. It just needs to feel right and appropriate to you. It's as much a time of reflection as it is a time of celebration. So if you're feeling more reflective than celebratory, that's perfectly okay. Overall, the concept of the second harvest at the autumn equinox is a way for those who follow these spiritual traditions to connect with the cycles of nature, express gratitude for the earth's abundance, and seek balance and harmony in their lives as the seasons change. It's a time of reflection, celebration, and preparation for the winter months ahead. Now let's talk about Maybon, or Mabin as some of you may call it, either is acceptable in my opinion, because while honoring the autumnal equinox is a millennia-old tradition, its celebration was given the name Maybon as recently as the 1970s. Maybon is the designated name for this one of the eight seasonal festivals that make up the Wheel of the Year in many Wiccan and Neo-Pagan traditions. These festivals, also referred to as Sabbaths, are celebrated by many modern practitioners to mark the changing of seasons. Maybon specifically represents the autumnal equinox, which typically occurs around September 21st or 22nd in the Northern Hemisphere. This year it's the 23rd. But the actual name Maybon is relatively recent in the context of modern paganism. It was popularized in the mid-20th century by Aidan Kelly, a prominent Wiccan writer and practitioner, as he sought to establish a more comprehensive and Western European-inspired set of holidays. Per his own account, Kelly chose this name in an attempt to emulate the myth of Persephone by using a character from Welsh mythology. Very, uh, creative? I guess. In fact, the term the Wheel of the Year was only first coined back in 1835 by German writer and scholar Jacob Grimm. 
He focused heavily on the gods and myths known to the Germanic tribes with heavy Celtic influences. Wheel of the Year was later popularized during the rise of Wicca, being founded by Gerald Gardner in the 1950s. But it wasn't until the 1970s when Aidan Kelly reworked the concept of the Wheel of the Year after combing through Germanic, Gaelic, and Britonic mythologies to find stories that satisfied his own preferences. And in doing so, he came up with the name for Mabon, as well as Ostara and Letha. The remaining wheel celebrations were already given Gallic-derived names with Celtic inspiration, except for Yule, which is Germanic in origin. Are you still with me? <laughs> okay, let's move on. So Mabon is a pretty recent name. And we know that Aidan Kelly took inspiration from the story of Persephone and applied it to a character from Welsh mythology in order to add to a cohesive set of names for the Wheel of the Year. And this Welsh character is none other than Mabon Ap, meaning son of the mother, Modron, who was stolen from his mother when he was only three nights old and imprisoned in an underwater dungeon where no one had seen or heard from him until he was supposedly freed in the tale of Colwich and Olwyn in the Mabinagi, a collection of Welsh stories. You can see the similarity to the story of Persephone and the seasons for that matter, who was also taken from her mother, Demeter, and made to live in the underworld for half of the year, bringing about the seasons of autumn and winter, and then spring and summer when she lives on Earth. Mabon, also known as Mabon ap Modron, is often associated with the divine child and is sometimes likened to the concept of the divine youth in Celtic mythology. And his name literally translates to the divine son of a divine mother. There are some scholars who believe that Mabon ap Modron may be related to a Gaulish Celtic deity called Mapanos, as both the names Mabon and Mapanos mean divine son, divine youth, or great son where Modron simply means mother or divine mother. And much of what we do know today of Gaulish Celtic deities comes from the accounts of Romans, like that of Julius Caesar. As a result, many deities have been conflated with Roman ones. And so Caesar drew comparisons from the Gaulish Mapanos to the Greco-Roman Apollo, a god of the sun, medicine, music, and poetry, and the sister of Artemis, a moon deity. I hope you're still with me. The story of Mabon himself has little connection with the spirit and energy of the autumn equinox, however, and many would argue that Aidan Kelly's choice was pretty appropriative, but the widespread popularity with the names given to the Wheel of the Year celebrations and the Wheel of the Year itself has it firmly cemented in place, similar to many holidays, I suppose. But if you do celebrate the holiday as Mabon, as many do, you will find that the means of celebration and activities involved are almost identical to those of the celebration of the autumn equinox, as they are almost one in the same. They too include harvest feasts and gestures of gratitude, offerings to the earth, outdoor activities like apple picking, nature walks, and responsible foraging, creating and decorating altars to honor the seasonal changes or personal deities, rituals to acknowledge the shifting energies of the seasons and to promote balance in life and in all things, and of course, the enjoyment of some spiced cider or mulled wine. So no, Mabon, by its name, is not rooted in ancient tradition as some of the other celebrations like Samhain or Beltane, but the autumn equinox is about as ancient as it gets. So let's quickly sum up the differences. The autumn equinox also known as the fall equinox, is an astronomical event that occurs twice a year along with the vernal or spring equinox when the plane of the Earth's equator passes through the center of the sun. During this time, day and night are approximately equal in length, marking the transition from summer to autumn in the northern hemisphere and from winter to spring in the southern hemisphere. The specific date of the autumn equinox typically falls around September 21st through the 23rd, in the Northern Hemisphere. Mabon, on the other hand, is a modern pagan and Wiccan festival that is celebrated on or around the time of the autumn equinox. It is one of the eight Sabbaths that make up the Wheel of the Year 
in these spiritual traditions and is a cultural and religious celebration that draws inspiration from various mythologies, folklore, particularly Celtic and Welsh sources. Being that one of these is a worldwide occurrence that demonstrates the incredible magic of the cycles of the earth, and the other is an immensely popular pagan tradition based on the first that has, since its creation, transcended the confines of specific spiritual traditions, they are both fully open for anyone who so wishes to celebrate, take part in, and adopt and make their own. I know there are some who might like to argue against this because of the cultural background of the name Maybon, but as I just explained, it never quite made a whole lot of sense in the first place, and we as a group just ran with it, and here we are. (laughs) So let's not fight, let's eat, drink, and be merry instead. It's fall, y'all. Anyway, moving along. I said some of this before, but now, looking at the autumn equinox and the second harvest and Maybon as a whole, we witches, pagans, folk, and magical practitioners typically celebrate this most wonderful time of year in a handful of ways. And while it will be entirely on you to make your own traditions or respectfully adopt and adapt some as you see fit, here are some common activities. Having feasts. Just as in many cultures, a common practice during the autumn equinox is to gather with friends and family for a feast. It's the best. This feast often includes foods made from the fruits and vegetables of the season, such as apples, pumpkins, squashes, and grains. I'm actually looking at my calendar. Oh, I'm actually breaking my calendar. No, I'm not breaking it, but I did fall apart a little bit. Uh, I'm actually looking at my calendar of the seasonal fruits and vegetables for September in the northeast and the list is long we have apples beets bok choy broccoli brussels sprouts cabbage carrots cauliflower collards corn cranberries eggplant garlic grapes fennel herbs kale kohlrabi leeks lettuce mushrooms nectarines onions peaches peppers plums potatoes pumpkins raspberries salad greens scallions spinach sprouts sugar and snap peas summer squash sweet potatoes tomatoes turnips watermelon and winter squash. That is a lot. The only month on this calendar that can compete with September is August. Those are big harvest months. I highly recommend getting a list uh, or calendar of seasonal vegetation for your area because it really comes in handy and helps you stay connected to the land and will help with your meal planning all year long, especially during seasonal celebrations. Um, Another way to celebrate is with offerings to deities. Uh, Many magical folks make offerings to their chosen deities or spirits as a way of giving thanks for the harvest and seeking their blessings for the coming season. These offerings might include fruits, grains, wine, or symbolic items such as eggs, newly turned leaves, or a ripened fruit from your personal garden. Altar decorations. Altars are often set up to reflect the themes of the season. Decorations may include items like cornucopias, gourds, acorns, leaves, and candles in autumnal colors like red, orange, and yellow, or anything that you associate with balance and harmony. Nature walks. Taking a nature walk or a hike during the equinox is a way to connect with the changing landscape and the beauty of the season. It's also an opportunity for meditation, reflection, and grounding. Balance rituals. Since the equinox represents a time of balance with nearly equal hours of daylight and darkness, some practitioners perform rituals or spells focused on balance and harmony in their lives. This might involve using symbols like the sun and moon or performing acts that bring balance to one's energy or emotions. I will sometimes perform a ritual that involves charging two identical crystal bracelets that I will wear on both wrists as a reminder to strive for balance in the season to come. Um, Divination. Some practitioners use divination tools such as tarot cards, runes, or scrying to gain insight into the energies of the season and what lies ahead. They may seek guidance on specific questions or issues in their lives. Fall or autumn equinox tarot spreads can be found in various tarot books or online, and even oracle decks themed after the season, like my favorite, here it is, the Season of the Witch Mob and Oracle Deck by Lorraine Anderson, Juliet Diaz, and Tihana Lukovic, or something like it may help you get in the spirit. Candle magic. Candles are commonly used in equinox rituals, and 
all rituals for that matter. And lighting candles in autumnal colors can be a way to invoke the energies of the season and set intentions for the coming months. Also, can we talk about how awesome autumn themed candle scents are? I mean, oh my God. Oh, apple cinnamon, autumn leaves. It never ends. Like the best scents come out in autumn. I could eat them. Okay, anyway, also a white candle along with a black candle in a spell or ritual regarding balance of light and dark can also be very appropriate. Libations. Pouring libations of wine or other beverages onto the earth as an offering is a way to give back to the land and the spirits that inhabit it. You could also do some research into the land and possibly the people who lived there before we did. In my area, the Lenai Lenape tribe lived and thrived off of the land. And with a little bit of research, I found that tobacco and sumac is an appropriate offering as a way of showing respect to and honoring the spirits of the land, along with a libation to the earth itself. Uh, crafts and DIY. Many people engage in craft activities during the autumn equinox, such as making wreaths, corn dollies, or other seasonal decorations. These crafts can be used to decorate the home or the altar. Having just wrapped up from my workshops at Anahata's Purpose, I still have knot magic and witch's ladders on the brain and will be incorporating these into my seasonal crafting this month for sure. And finally, folk traditions. Depending on regional customs, there may be specific folk traditions associated with the autumn equinox. These can vary widely, but they often involve local harvest celebrations, music, dance, and other communal activities. And it's very important to note that the specific practices and rituals associated with the autumn equinox can vary widely among different witchcraft and folk traditions. Many practitioners adapt and personalize these traditions to suit their individual beliefs and preferences. But the common thread is a celebration of the harvest and a recognition of the changing seasons and energies at this time of year. Okay, now let's talk about food again, <laughs> as well as recipes, spells, and correspondences before I let you go. So I listed off the foods that are in season in my area, but here is a list of foods that are considered traditional to the autumnal equinox celebration itself. These may vary in your region or culture, or they may be similar. They are apples, pumpkins and squash, corn, root vegetables, grains, berries, nuts, honey, cider and apple-related beverages, herbs and spices. Uh, autumn feasts often incorporate a variety of herbs and spices that add flavor to dishes like cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, or allspice. Game and poultry, and baked goods. Baking is a common activity during the autumn season. Um, traditional baked goods include pies, apple, pumpkin, pecan, bread, muffins, and cookies. Also cheese, fruit preserves, and jams. And whatever else is abundant directly where you live. And these are just some examples of the traditional foods you might find at feasts celebrating the second harvest. Or you might like to incorporate in your own feast. And a recipe that I encountered and would like to share is for a simple yet delicious spiced apple crisp. This dessert not only celebrates the flavors of the season, but also incorporates elements of kitchen witchcraft, such as intention setting and using ingredients with symbolic significance. So let's go through it. Ingredients. For the filling, you will need four to five cups of sliced and peeled apples, such as Granny Smith or Honeycrisp, one tablespoon of lemon juice for brightness and purification, a quarter cup of granulated sugar for sweetness and energy, one teaspoon of ground cinnamon for warmth and protection, a quarter teaspoon of ground nutmeg for abundance and prosperity, a pinch of salt for grounding and balance. For the topping, you will need one cup of old-fashioned rolled oats for stability and strength, a half a cup of all-purpose flour for grounding, a half a cup of brown sugar for sweetness, a half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon for warmth, and a quarter cup of unsalted butter for comfort and nurturing. 
And optionally, you can also add a handful of chopped nuts, such as walnuts or pecans, for added richness and abundance. Instructions. Preheat the oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit or 175 degrees Celsius. Prepare the apples in a large mixing bowl by combining sliced apples and lemon juice and toss together to coat the apples evenly. In a separate small bowl, mix together the granulated sugar, ground cinnamon, ground nutmeg, and a pinch of salt. Sprinkle this mixture over the sliced apples and toss until the apples are well coated. Place the spiced apples into a greased 8 by 8 inch or 20 by 20 centimeter baking dish, spreading them evenly. In a separate bowl, combine the rolled oats, all-purpose flour, brown sugar, and ground cinnamon for the topping. Cut the unsalted butter into small pieces and add it to the dry mixture. Use your hands or a pastry cutter to work the butter into the dry ingredients until it resembles coarse crumbs. Sprinkle the oat and butter mixture evenly over the spiced apples in the baking dish. If using chopped nuts, sprinkle them over the topping. Now you're going to bake. Place the baking dish in the preheated oven and bake for 35 to 40 minutes or until the topping is golden brown and the apples are bubbling. Set your intentions. While the crisp is baking, take a moment to set your intentions for the autumn season. Focus on your desires for balance, abundance, and gratitude. You can also meditate on the warm, comforting energy as the dish bakes. Once the apple crisp is done, remove it from the oven and let it cool slightly. Serve it warm, and as you enjoy each bite, express your gratitude for the bountiful harvest and the blessings of the season. Also, I really recommend you serving that with some vanilla ice cream or some whipped cream or both. Mm. The spiced apple crisp not only fills your home with a delightful sense of autumn, but also allows you to infuse your cooking with intention and symbolism, making it a meaningful part of your autumnal equinox celebration. And I will be sharing this recipe plus the other recipe and the spells um, that I share on the website as usual. Check the blog for recipes, the spell archive for spells, and go over to the living grimoire for all you need to know in written format about the Maybon Sabbath and the Autumn Equinox and Second Harvest. And one more recipe for morning clarity tea from the September section of Enchanted Kitchen by Gail Busey. I love having a little jar of this tea blend tucked away in my pantry. As the year starts to run towards the dark, it reminds me of the changes we all need to go through and embrace and the power we have to grow in any season and at any time. It's based on an old Moroccan tea recipe and is lovely served in the early morning as a kind of sunrise benediction. You will need one cup of black tea leaves, one teaspoon of dried mint leaves, a half a teaspoon of ground ginger, a half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon, a quarter teaspoon of ground coriander, a quarter teaspoon of ground cardamom, two or three whole cloves, and a few dried rose petals. Combine all the ingredients and then store in a tightly covered jar or tin in a cool and dark place. To make the tea, simply place two teaspoons of tea mixture in a cup or mug and cover with boiling water. Leave to steep for 10 minutes, then strain and drink. With a little honey added if you prefer some sweetness. A sprig of fresh mint is also a lovely garnish for this gently uplifting drink. Okay, and I also have a spell. I have a spell. All right, for the fall equinox. And then once I give you the spell, I have some tarot correspondence, a tarot spread, and then some other magical correspondences before I let you go. So just hang on for a few more minutes. This is a spell of gratitude for the autumn equinox. This spell is a beautiful way to harness the energies of the season and express thankfulness for the harvest and blessings in your life. Here's a simple gratitude spell that you can perform. You will need a small candle in an autumn color like red, orange, or yellow if possible, a small piece of paper and a pen, a heat-resistant dish or bowl like a cauldron, and a lighter or matches. You're going to set up your space, find a quiet and peaceful space where you won't be disturbed, you can do this indoors or outdoors, depending upon your preference and the weather. 
cast a circle if you do that. Uh, if you follow a tradition that involves casting a circle for rituals, you may choose to do so to create sacred space or skip this step if you do not do that. So begin by lighting your candle. Place the candle in front of you and light it. As you do so, focus on the flame and take a few deep breaths to center yourself. Take the piece of paper and pen and begin writing down the things that you are grateful for. Be specific and heartfelt in your expressions of gratitude. You can include people, experiences, achievements, or anything that fills you with thankfulness. Now take a few moments to meditate on each of the things that you've written down. Imagine the feelings of gratitude welling up within you as you reflect on these blessings. If you'd like to, with the lit candle before you, read your blessings out loud. Read what you've written on the paper, speak from the heart, and let the words carry your feelings of gratitude out into the universe. Now, you're going to carefully hold the paper over the candle flame, allowing it to catch fire. As it burns, visualize your gratitude energy rising with the smoke and being released into the universe. Place the burning paper into your heat-resistant dish or cauldron immediately and let it burn completely in that safe space. Ensure that the fire is safely contained and be cautious with open flames, of course. Express thanks. As the paper turns to ashes, say words of thanks to the universe, the earth, and any deities or spirits that you may work with. Acknowledge that your gratitude has been heard. If you've cast a circle, you can reopen it however you prefer, if that's your traditional practice. And then extinguish the candle, knowing that the spell is complete and the energy of your gratitude has been released. Trust that your expressions of gratitude have been received and will bring positivity and abundance into your life. Remember that the power of the spell lies not only in the words and actions, but in the genuine feelings of gratitude that you bring to it. Let this spell remind you to carry a spirit of thankfulness with you throughout, throughout the autumn season and beyond. Okay, I'm going to give you some correspondences. And I'm going to start with tarot correspondence for the autumn equinox. So as I've said before, um, I usually use the Llewellyn's Witches calendar or agenda. Is it a date book? I think it's I think it's referred to as the date book. And a couple of years ago, they did something where they associated each of the eight holidays in the wheel of the year with a specific tarot card. And these associations really, really spoke to me. So I recorded them down and I would like to share Autumn Equinox and Justice. The God returns to the land of the dead as we celebrate the second harvest and main bounty of the year. Our minds turn to preparing for winter. Without modern food preservation techniques, storing food for winter once had a different urgency, one that we probably cannot even imagine, though it still serves as a meaningful metaphor. As in the Justice Tarot card, the consequences of our actions and their effects on the future are paramount in our minds. Will what we've done be enough to sustain us through the season of darkness? At the autumn equinox, we also focus on forgiveness, a kind of divine justice that goes beyond human justice, one threaded through with mercy. Accept the justice card's invitation to consider the long-term effects of your thoughts, feelings, and actions. You are, after all, beginning to reap what you have sown. In the midst of expressions of gratitude for the abundance of the world, think about molding the future. We have some time left to honor our responsibility to the cycle of life and to prepare our lives, both mundane and spiritual, for the cold, dark days to come. Okay, and I also have a tarot spread for you. I know that I am absolutely abysmal at describing the way uh, cards are supposed to be laid out, so I will be posting on socials with this tarot spread, uh, but I'll quickly describe it now. It looks like a maple leaf. So the first card is going to be on the top left, and then you're going to create an arch that goes around to the right with cards two, three, four, and five. And then card number six is going to go right smack in the middle bottom like, a, like the stem of the leaf. So card number one, summer has ended. What is still weighing you down? Card number two, how should I shed what no longer serves me? Card number three, the equinox is upon me. 
What in life requires balance to be restored? Number four, how can I best work with the situations ahead? Five, shadow work takes time. How do I find light in the darkness? And finally, six, stem. The harvest is a time to reap what we have sown. What fruitful bounty is ahead? And I will be posting a visual aid for that in case my description really didn't uh, hit home. But let's go over some quick correspondences before I let you go for the autumnal equinox. So intentions, which we've covered a lot of these. Thanksgiving and gratitude for prosperity. Rest. Enjoying fruits of the harvest. Harmony and balance. A time of giving. Celebrating kinship and friendship. A time of introspection. Veneration of the land. Uh, some customs and rituals include preparing for the literal and symbolic winter, making offerings to the land, appeasing restless spirits and spirits of the land, preserving and protecting wild places and nearby lands, making wine and sharing it with helpful people and spirit guides, sharing personal abundance. Colors are burgundy, burnt orange, cobalt blue, crimson, red, gold, indigo, mustard yellows. I like to pair all these colors with black. It's my favorite color scheme for things to wear in this beautiful weather that's coming. I can't wait to put on a jacket and some boots. I'm getting really excited. All right, stones, amber, azurite, carnelian, garnet, iolite, jasper, lapis lazuli, peridot, pyrite, shugalite, sunstone, tiger eye, and topaz. And for botanicals, we have apple, aster, bittersweet, blackberry, cedar, chamomile, chrysanthemum, corn, fern, gourds, grains, grapes, honeysuckle, hops, ivy, jasmine, marigold, milkweed, mistletoe, oak, oak moss, oats, patchouli, pine, pomegranate, rose, rosemary, rue, saffron, sage, sassafras, Solomon seal, sunflower, thistle, wheat, willow, witch hazel, and yarrow. Some animal spirits, the blackbird, crow or raven, boar, butterfly, dog, goat, goose, snake, swallow, and swan, and some spiritual entities that may be associated with this time of year are Bacchus, Bast, Bonadia, Cirrus, Kernunos, Curidwen, the corn man and woman, Dagda, Dea Matrona, Demeter, Dionysus, Epona, Green Man, Hades, Hermes, Hern, Kor, Morning Star, Morrigan, St. Michael, Osiris, Persephone, Thor, Thoth, and Venus. Okay, that is all that I have for you today. But before I let you go, I want to make a couple quick announcements. The Living Grimoire over at aisforagrimony.com has launched, but is still in need of some growth, which I plan on committing my weekend to bulking that up so that we can eventually follow along with the podcast and have a full and growing catalog of information that grows along with it. And when I'm done doing that, I plan on finally putting my nose to the grindstone so that I can roll out the first official opening of the Coven Shop, which I plan on having it launched and available to shop from by Samhain of this year. The intention is to have it up and ready for any Yule or holiday shopping you might want to do, and I truly hope that I'm able to offer something over at the shop that is unique and useful and intriguing and worth a looky-loo. So that is what I'll be working on in the coming weeks, as well as episodes and web updates, of course. And I hope that you are able to take a little something from it that feels magical. Also, one last thing before I let you go, we have a new Patreon that I would like to welcome to the community, Kelly D. I want to welcome Kelly D to the Patreon, uh, a brand new Patreon as of, I believe, last week when I was on break. Welcome to the community. Thank you so, so much for your support. It means so 
much to me. And I hope that you love the bonus content over on the Patreon and that you love being a part of the community. Please always feel free to address me directly there with any comments or questions or suggestions. And just thank you, Kelly D. And welcome. And that is all I have for you today. Please be well and have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. If you like what you've been hearing, please drop me a review wherever you're listening. If you'd like some more content, please go to aisforagrimony.com, where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, the living grimoire, and soon to come, the coven shop. You can follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony. That's an underscore in between each word over on threads under the same exact handle. Or you can like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash A is for agrimony. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reachmargo at A is for agrimony.com. And if you're interested in some exclusive bonus content, you can join the community over on Patreon at patreon.com slash A is for Agrimony, where I share early release unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, monthly spells, occasional bonus content, and more to come. Again, thank you for listening, be well, and have an amazing weekend. So let's go through it. Ingredients. <clears throat> I need to take a water break. That's good. You know, I'm always so very concerned about keeping my head during these recordings because I want them to be as good as they possibly can be. But just once, just one of these days, I should just bring wine to the recording and see what happens. I probably will make less mistakes. It would be an interesting experiment. Okay. Ingredients. For the filling, you will need 